0: The word that kept coming to Barry Trotz's mind was this was a bizarre season. Finding line mates for Matt Barzell is going to be crucial. Is this what Anthony Beauvillier is as an NHL player? That's just fruit loops. Newsday presents the Island Ice Podcast with Andrew Gross. And welcome to Island Ice, Newsday's New York Islanders. Podcast episode 133, the the end-of-the-road episode. Actually, well, that's not quite the truth. Yes, the Islanders' season ended short of the playoffs for the first time since 2018, as this Stanley Cup or bust season went bust. But as Matthew Barzell talked about on Saturday at breakup day, uh, the, the focus immediately went toward... Next season, and how the Islanders can return to the playoffs and mount another run at Cup contention. And here's Barzi talking about just that.
1: Yeah, I think, um, instantly after the game yesterday, we were already talking about, um, bouncing back and where we know we need to be. So I think when you see that, uh, that, that quick turnaround and, in, in, uh, and in us wanting to have a winning mentality and not, you know, worrying about, plans this weekend, or, you know, it was, it was the, the chatter was all about kind of getting better for next year, and taking this off-season, um, long off-season, and getting stronger, I feel like the last two two years haven't really had a chance to uh, settle into settle into training, so um, I think everybody's going to work hard this summer, get better, um, get stronger,
0: um, and I think uh, this group's going to bounce backwards. And hi, I'm Andrew Gross of Newsday, and you can find me on Twitter at a Gross Newsday and all of Newsday's content at newsday.com backslash aisles. So there's a lot to go over after the Islanders' season finally came to a conclusion with a 6-4 loss to the Lightning on Friday. Uh, I've got a bunch of audio from the Islanders' breakup day on Saturday, that Barzell clip just being the first of it. Um, That media session did not include either President GM Lou Lamarillo or Coach Barry Trotz, but to be fair, Barry Trotz has been discussing what's gone wrong in the upcoming end of the season, it seems now, for about two months. Uh, And Lamarillo, the team said Lamarillo would speak to the media at some point over the next few days. So stay tuned for that. And uh, one of the things that Barry has talked about, and and, and some of his players uh, echoed this, is unlike the past couple of seasons, uh, back-to-back trips to the Stanley Cup semifinals, uh, a Game 6 lost to the Lightning in the bubble, a game seven loss, one nothing at Tampa uh, last June on uh, on a shorthanded goal. When, when the season ends like that, uh, Barry Trotz says it, it, it's like hitting a brick wall. It, it's like sort of getting into a car crash. You you don't expect it coming, and and it really hits you hard. It, it, this this was not that case. The the Islanders really had a it, a solid month here, uh, if not longer, to really wrap their heads around the fact that the uh, season was going to finish far short of their expectations. That's not to say they liked it. That's not to say they were accepting of it. But it it made the end of the season. It, It was not that harsh feeling that it was... Uh, In in the last couple of playoffs and and actually the last three playoff uh, runs because uh, getting swept by the Hurricanes uh, there in 2019, that that was pretty abrupt as well. Uh, So the Islanders have had a lot of time uh to think about what's next uh you the fans have had a lot of time to think about what's next and uh I've had a lot of time to think about what's next so we'll try and put a bow on this season and we'll more importantly we'll 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 try and look ahead to next season because that's what's important right now right uh what the islanders do in this off season to uh get back to being a playoff worthy team in twenty two, twenty three, if I'm getting my seasons correct. And, uh, you know, after, uh, listening to some of these, uh, uh, player quotes and, uh, uh kind of weaving our way through the season, after that, I'll answer some of your questions, uh, with some Andrews answers. And, uh, Speaking of some of the player audio, let's start here while we're talking about the team not making the playoffs. Uh, I want to play you this clip, uh, Ryan Pulak, uh, on not making the playoffs and and the feeling that that gives the team going into the next season. So here's Ryan on that topic.
2: Get uh, get him. Emotionally invested in in coming back next year and uh, getting back to where we want to be. I think uh, there'll be no excuse, um, you know, next year. And you know, guys are are going to have that fire inside to to get back. Um, Obviously, the best time of year is playoff hockey, and that's when it's the most fun. And I think uh, you maybe don't realize that until you're not a part of it. And um, you know, for us to on the outside this year and not be a part of that I think it's really going to sink in and what we're missing and uh, really drive us to get back there.
0: While we're uh, listening to defensemen uh, fellow defenseman Scott Mayfield had some thoughts on that same subject.
3: Yeah I mean I, I think you you can learn from um, if you want to call it failures I, it is a failure I think you know, we failed. We didn't make the playoffs. Um, we want to be a contender, not just make the playoffs. We want to contend for a Stanley Cup. So it was a failure. Um, you can take the silver linings and things and lessons learned, um, whether it's just some of the games that we didn't have it, some of the games we definitely should have um, played, played better. Um, I know there's a lot of guys that feel like they didn't have their best game certain times throughout the year, and myself included. So it's... Uh, you got to learn from that. You got to learn from that and just um, take it with you. Like when you play a lot of playoff games, you get the experience uh, in that we hadn't had the experience of failures as much. We, we've been in playoffs for a couple of years now. We were feeling good about that, but obviously that's not enough. So it's uh it sucks. It's not where we want to be, but
0: so if I could just before turning the attention to next season and, and what must go better and must, get better. Let me just take you uh, uh, back to UBS Arena for Friday night for that 6-4 loss to the Lightning. Um, it, it, it turns into a really special night um, because it was the night that the UBS crowd finally responded to and sort of embraced Zdeno Chara who, you know, the expectation was uh, that was his last game. He's 45 years old. He's played 1,680 regular season games, probably another couple of hundred in the playoffs. Um, and, and again, uh, it was, neither is Dano Chara nor Andy Green, who's 39. Neither of them uh, have given any public indication of their future plans Uh, Andy Green, and we'll get to a little bit of Andy Green later on, but, uh, just to give you the lay of the land, Andy Green said, you know, he he certainly wanted to take some time off, let the emotion get out of it, and then think about it, but, uh, you know, I asked him at this stage, you know, given where, you know, the age of his kids, they're still small, um, you know, he's been situated, in New Jersey and now with the Islanders for his entire career. I said, Andy, I'm assuming at this point, you don't want to go start chasing this. You don't want to, you know, play anywhere out of the area. And he said he didn't want to box himself in, but it was probably, you know, uh, playing for the Islanders next season or not playing at all. And uh, that's a conversation to be had with Lou Lamarillo down the road. Um, my, my take on this, my guess, my educated guess would be that, um, Zdeno and Andy Green are, are probably going to retire after this season. I, I think from an Islanders standpoint, they, they do need to get younger on the back end. Uh, they need to get a little bit quicker. Um, and I think they're going to explore that. I don't know how much. Uh, Z or Andy Green wants to hold on all summer to see whether uh, the Islanders need him for next season or not. Maybe there's some of that. Um, But I I, I think when all is said and done, that you know, Friday night was probably the last night for Zdeno Char and Andy Green. And uh, again, I know the fans have been critical uh, of what they saw on the ice uh, from... Zdeno and Andy this season in terms of maybe not, you know, playing fast enough, uh, to, for today's NHL. And look, you know, we're, we're not going to lie here. Yeah. You know, the, neither one of them was ever the fastest skater and yeah, they've, they've lost a little bit, uh, off their, uh, skate speed as, uh, you know, they're 45 and 39, but, Look, these are special players, and if you're a hockey fan, you really have to enjoy watching these types of players. And uh, I, I don't want to say especially Zdeno Chara, because Andy Green has had, uh, you know, his career will not end up in the Hall of Fame, I'm assuming, like Zdeno Chara's will, but for an undrafted free agent out of Miami of Ohio to come out and and be the devil's captain and to lead that team or to help lead that team to the Stanley Cup final and to play over a thousand games in the NHL. Andy Green had a really, really special uh, NHL career Um, and he, the impact he's had on so many, different players, you know, from the Devils and, and now over here with the Islanders with some of their younger defensemen. And then before, as Chara was a mentor to, uh, Noah Dobson, Andy Green certainly was as they were defense partners. So, uh, yeah. You know, uh but but that that night belonged to Zdeno, and it, as Zdeno said after the game, it, it gave him chills, and I think it should have. All all through the game, the the fans were starting to chant for him, certainly screaming for him to shoot whenever he touched the puck, and Zdeno tried to accommodate him, um, and and finally, you know, in, in a season that went wrong. The word that kept coming to Barry Trotz's mind was, "This was a bizarre season. You could have never predicted what would have happened this season. for For this bizarre season to end with sort of a Hollywood script, with Zdeno Chara um, scoring with forty three point four seconds left, and and actually uh, that made it a five four game. And you know, uh, part of the reaction was the fact that maybe the Islanders could have come back and tied it." Um, But for for him to score in the final minute on on a shot that it was where he wasn't necessarily even trying to get it on net he was looking for the rebound or maybe a a, a, a bounce off the backboards or something he was just trying to get it in play and it it kind of gets through traffic seeing I puck and you know maybe it was touched by. A lightning player, maybe it was touched by an Islander player, and, and I was joking with Barry after the Cape. There, there was no way that goal was not being awarded to Zdeno Chara. They were not going to reverse and 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 give it to to another Islander. That um, <laughs> just wasn't going to happen. But look, it, it, the, the the way the crowd responded and chanted Chara's name, and uh, he was named first star. Um, and he was skating around on the ice at the end, you know, touching his hand to his heart and saluting the crowd. And uh, for him to finally have that moment this season, uh, for all he's given to the game, I, I thought was really special. And I thought it sent us into the off season sort of on a, you know, a, a decent note there. Um, but turning the attention to next season, there are obviously holes that Lou Lamarillo needs to fix you need scoring help for the wings uh, very, very clearly Uh, uh, talking about Zdeno and Andy Chara. Now you, you quite possibly need two uh, lefty D men, uh, you know, if we're assuming that neither Chara nor Andy Green returns and uh, you know, where that comes from and and we'll sort of develop this over, uh, over the course of this episode, but can that come from within? Is, is Robin Sallow, who is a lefty, is he ready to step in uh, on a full time basis here? I, I think the uh, the jury is still out there. Um, it, it's not the strongest free agent uh, market for defensemen. There are some defensemen out there, and we'll get into that. But though yeah, there are no guarantees there. Um, You know, you could be looking at considering bringing Nick Letty back, which, you know, uh, I don't know where the needle would fall for uh, the fans, but, uh, you know, fans certainly thought the Islanders were missing Nick Letty this season. If he did come back, uh, you know, I don't know exactly what the reaction would be. You you, you sort of want to, and this is nothing against Nick, you you sort of want to, push forward. The Islanders have been there with Nick Letty and yeah, they got to NHL semifinals with him. He's a, he's a year older. It would probably come in on a team friendly deal. So I'm not discounting the Nick Letty, uh, possibility. I, I'm just not sure that that would be the the best thing the Islanders could do. I, I Lou Lamarillo talks about hockey trades and is it time now to, uh, you know, do, do do you make a hockey trade for a lefty D man? You know, and what would you have to give up? It, it wouldn't come cheap. So uh, uh, a lot of a lot of things to ponder there. But just getting back to uh, Andy Green, and he didn't necessarily get the recognition from the crowd that Zdeno Chara did on Friday night. He's he's been a good Islander. He really has. Um, I, I know his play slipped this season. Um, but for why they acquired him and what he brought to the team. And, you know, if you think back to why they had to bring him in with the injuries, uh, um, with Pellick being out at that time, uh, Andy Green has been a good Islander. And and perhaps no one knows him as well. Uh, you know, Zach Parisi played with him uh, on uh, with, with the Devils. But Kyle Palmieri uh, was a teammate, Also, both with the Devils and the Islanders. And
4: here's Kyle on on what Andy Green has meant to his teammates. I mean, there's a ton of respect um, uh, since day one uh, coming into Jersey. uh, He was our captain and um, became a really good friend. Uh, I think uh, you see him every day at the rink and and the way he prepares himself and um, away from the rink how well he's liked and, and just the way he carries himself and um, the, the way he treats his family. And, and it's just uh, it, he's an incredible person, uh, incredible teammate. I think you learn a lot from him, and uh, those little lessons that you can take from him is invaluable. It uh, goes beyond what what he does and what he can accomplish on the ice. I, I mean, I think he's a guy that can play as long as he wants, um, he's in such good shape and takes care of his body so well i think it's something that um it's up to him to to leave the game on his own terms whether or not he he chooses to do so this summer a couple years down the road but um it's been a a pleasure and an honor for for me to be his teammate um and friend all these years now speaking of kyle palmeri his
0: resurgence is an absolute key to the Islanders next season. He he finished this season with 15 goals and 18 assists in 69 games. And, and that's only because he was, quote unquote, went on a, you know, more of a, a, a production streak towards the end of the season that, you know, through December into January, you're wondering, why, why, why did this guy get a four year, $20 million deal, which he does have, he's got three more years on that deal. Um, and he finished with 15 goals, 18 assists and 69 games. Obviously that's nowhere near good enough over the course of a full season. You you need at least 10 more goals out of him, uh, next season, at least 10 more goals. Um, you, you would like for him to sort of get back to maybe touching 30 goals. But Kyle Palmieri did show some chemistry with Barzell uh, and Zach Parisi. Um, Finding line mates for Matt Barzell is going to be crucial. Or, as I wrote in in Sunday's Newsday, and as I spoke with uh, my friend Sean Cuthbert and uh, Christian Arnold the other night on Hockey Night in New York on their fine show... And as they always say, please, you know, listen to them, but listen to me first. <laughs> uh, got you, boys. Um, look, a- a- as I said on that show, the Islanders need to figure out their long-term plans with Barzell. He's he's entering. He's going to be going into the last year of a three-year. million deal, sort of a bridge deal. He's going to be a restricted free agent with arbitration rights. And when I say you have to figure out what the long-term plans with Barzell are... Are you going to commit to this guy long-term? And by long-term, are you going to give him a seven-year deal? Are you going to give him an eight-year deal? Is he going to be the face of your franchise moving forward? And I I think if you had asked that question two seasons ago or before this season, it would have been unequivocally yes. And and I'm not saying he had a, a bad season this season. But in a salary cap world, and as I talked about on Hockey Night in New York, in a salary cap prism, is this the guy you're going to commit $8.5 million to per season uh, if that's what it gets to? And I'm not saying the Islanders are opposed to that. I'm just saying that one of, one of the most important things Lou Lamarillo has to do this offseason, not next offseason, uh, when he is a restricted free agent with arbitration rights, I think this is the off season to figure out whether or not you believe in Matthew Barzell long term. I mean, if I'm Lou Lamarillo, yeah, I'm I'm committing to this guy. Um, you don't let talent like this walk out the door. But that that that's a call that Lou Lamarillo has to make, and and, uh, and the organization has to make that that Matthew Barzell is. We've all assumed he's going to be an elite NHL player, and and he's not quite there yet. He has elite talent. He's not quite an elite NHL player, but everybody believes he will be. When I say everybody, again, that's is. Do the Islanders believe that? And uh, I, I, if the Islanders do not believe that, and again, let me make it clear, I am in no way suggesting that Lou, Lou Lamarillo has made the decision that the the, the organization does not believe barzi is that player. But if, if for whatever reason that is the valuation... Uh, That the Islanders make that that this is not a player that they want to invest seven or eight years into at eight million a season, eight and a half million a season, nine million a season. If the Islanders decide that that's not the case, then the the island, it behooves the Islanders to start thinking this offseason about trading Barzell and getting something back. Cause again, you don't let talent like that walk out the door for nothing. Now, Matthew Barzell has some definite feelings on what he'd like to see. Um, and, and for him, that's remaining a New York Islander. Yeah. I mean, obviously given thought to it, uh, you know,
1: would love to be here on the Island. This is, this is home. This is where I want to be. This is where I want to win. And, um, I love my life here, uh, love the city, fans, obviously our new rink is amazing, and um, I love wearing the blue and orange, so would love to sign long-term here and um, spend, you know, I think it's such a such a cool thing when a player plays his whole career with one team. Uh, a lot of my favorite athletes have done that, so it's something I, I obviously would like the following as well.
0: As I also wrote in Newsday, Oliver Wallstrom and Kiefer Bellow's development is, is crucial, uh, provided they remain with the team. And, and, and it's crucial because in a salary cap world, you need the younger players uh, with the cheaper salaries with talent to offset some of the veterans who are getting six million a year, five, six. Million a year, you know. You got Josh Bailey, and we'll get to him later. You got Josh Bailey on the ledger for two more seasons at five million per season. You gotta offset that. You got Kyle Palmieri uh, in at five million. You got Barzell at seven million. You got uh, you know, Anders Lee at seven million. You have to have some of the quote unquote much cheaper talent, and uh, Oliver Wallstrom and and Kiefer. Bellows need to, uh, you know, take what they learned this season, and it was a huge learning experience. Um, and they need to take that and move it forward. And they need to become more consistent scorers. They need to become more consistent defensively. They need to show that they can stay in the lineup consistently. And again, that is if they remain with the team, because as I mentioned, Lou Lamarillo looking to make hockey trades, Oliver Wallstrom, and potentially Kiefer Bellows' names are both going to come up, um, and maybe that's how you improve the team. And if that happens, you know you're you're going to wonder about how they would have been uh, with the Islanders going forward, but you, you presume that you're 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 answering or trying to answer, uh, you know, getting a lefty defenseman in uh, if you trade him, or getting more scoring help amongst the wings. But um, here's Kyle Palmieri on the importance of Oliver
4: Wallstrom and Kiefer Bellows to the Islanders. Both of them remind me a lot of my time in, in Anaheim. Um, you, you find places where there's some consistency over a couple games and a stretch where where you want to keep building on it, but it's hard. Uh, you're maybe not getting the minutes and and the playing time um, that sometimes it requires. But I think it's something you just got to stick with. And I mean, they're both good pros, and, and they have a locker room here and a, and a culture here that um, they can learn a lot. And uh, I, I think as you move forward, you just not that you have to sit and wait for your we're your opportunity, but um, they're going to get an opportunity to, to grow and, and keep continuing to be better hockey players. And um, sometimes it takes time. I, I mean, for me, it took, a, I guess you can call it, a change of scenery and, and an opportunity in New Jersey. Um, and that was when I was 24, or 25 years old um, to, to find that consistent level of, of being an impact player night in and night out. So I, I think it's those guys are on the right track they're both really talented players um they're they're guys that are built well it's not like they have to put on muscle or anything like that it's it's really just continue to work on their game and and making sure you're putting yourself in the best position that when that time comes to to have an expanded role and um an opportunity that they're they're ready to seize it
0: now i i I know throughout the course of the season uh just uh monitoring social media, the fans were not always thrilled with the way Barry Trotz handled Oliver Wallstrom and we've been over that time and time again. Uh, on previous episodes, the fact that Barry is trying to show more patience with Oliver Wallstrom and the, and the younger players than he says the fans want to see, or, or for that fact, the media, uh, whenever I asked, or towards the end of the season, when I would ask a question about Oliver Wallstrom, Barry Trotz joked, uh, I, I believe he was joking, that I was Oliver Wallstrom's uh, agent. Um Barry would have him in the lineup. He would not, he would have him out of the lineup at times. He would not, you know, uh, he, he was on the fourth line, uh, Oliver Wallstrom, at the end of the season. Uh, he didn't play a ton of minutes. Um, it, it was, you know, some tough love from Barry Trotz. Uh, at least that, that's the way Oliver Wallstrom sees it. Um, and, and Wally also said that, that Barry was right not to treat him with kid gloves.
5: Yeah, uh, it was good. Um, You know, I need uh, tough love sometimes. Um, It's part of the game. It's part of the business. Um, uh, Yeah, it was just, uh, you know, it was ups and downs for me, obviously, this year. But, uh, no, you know, I love the game, and I take uh, information in and try to use that, and I use that to different parts of my game. So, uh, yeah, it was a good learning experience for sure.
0: One other thing on Oliver Wallstrom, for anyone who believes that, Wally is unhappy with the Islanders in any way. I just wanted to play this clip for you where he he talks about the culture in the Islanders
5: room. A lot of guys really in the locker room, almost everybody. Um, I talk a lot with Pajol. You know, I play with him. It kind of grew me a little bit. Uh, Parisi too. I grew up watching him and uh, most importantly, uh, Big Z. Uh, You know, he's just like A huge, big, big, big brother to me. Uh, Talking to me, I love messing around with him a little bit, get him laughing in the morning. So, just everybody in the locker room. We got one of the best rooms I think I've ever been a part of. And, uh, you know, I can just grow and learn from those guys.
0: Now, there are certainly other forwards who must improve uh, their performance beyond Kyle Palmieri or Oliver Wallstrom or Kiefer Bellows. Uh, Let's talk about. Anthony Beauvillier for a minute. He had just twelve goals and twenty-two assists this season. It's his sixth in the NHL, and uh, after the, um, the 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 playoff run that he had last season, uh, Barry Trotz went into this season saying that he expected a breakthrough season from Anthony Beauvillier, be it this season or next season. It certainly was not this season, 12 goals, 22 assists. Um, And again, not necessarily a young player in this league. That was his sixth season in the NHL. He's going into his seventh season. He's turning 25 this summer. Um, Boa's two more years on a three-year, $12.45 million deal. And I, I guess you can question at this point is... Is this what Anthony Beauvilliers is as an NHL player? Now, if it is, it's not bad. You know, he, he skates with speed. He'll get you, you know, he's streaky. He'll go on these, you know, streaks where he'll get a, a pop in some goals, and then he'll go on a streak where he won't pop in some goals. But he always plays a responsible 200-foot game. And and if you're okay with that, then that's what Anthony Beauvilliers is. And he, you know... He adds something to your lineup, but I know that Beau expects more from himself, and I know Barry Trotz and the franchise expect uh, more from Anthony Beauvillier than that. Um, you know, here's Beauvillier talking about you know him the the fact that he can not only, not only does he believe he can still get better, uh, most importantly, he knows he must get better.
1: I know I can be much better than what I
0: what I showed this year.
1: And that that's where the frustration was, where I I know my potential and I just wasn't playing to it. And yeah, I just got in my own head and got frustrated a little bit with that. But um, it's in the past now, I'm looking for the summer and like I said, to get faster, stronger, and be ready for next year.
0: Now, it, it's not impossible that Bo gets moved this offseason. Again, going back to this notion that uh, the Lou Lamarillo wants to make hockey trades, I would think uh, that Bo, because of his speed and because of his responsible defensive play, and, and because of that, you know, and I know this is Lou Lamarillo's least favorite word, but But that potential to be more than he is right now, which he still does have, even though he's turning 25 and going into his seventh season. There's still that notion that if he ties it together and just becomes a little less streaky and a little more consistent, he's going to reach another level. Um, Other teams could certainly see that. And uh, again, it's not impossible that Bo gets moved In in a deal this off season, uh, be it to get in uh, some defensive help. Uh, If you're trading Bo, you're not necessarily helping your forwards. But uh, again, maybe you're counting on more from Palmieri, and you're gonna there there are resulting other moves. It could be a big jigsaw puzzle, or it 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 might not. It, It might be that Lou Lamarillo steadfast. Believes in this core as is, but uh, again, we'll we'll chat a little bit more the, about that as we go on. As with Anthony Beauvillier, it's not impossible that Josh Bailey uh, gets moved this off season, though I would tend to think that that likelihood is is much less uh, than than Beau potentially getting moved, and that's because uh, Josh Bailey still has two seasons left on a six-year, $30 million deal. Um, He has no trade protection. He's on the other side of 30, while Bo is only turning 25. And the production has gone down for Josh Bailey. Again, you know, it tends to be a little bit more streaky. Um, He was shooting more or, or, you know, potting a few more goals left and right towards the end of the season. I know how frustrating the start of the season was, Watching Josh Bailey watching Kyle Palmieri watching Zach Parisi um you know Palmieri and Parisi are definitely coming back, but uh you know Josh Bailey still has the two years left on his six year thirty million dollar deal i I would think that contract is his trade protection, but you know as far as clauses, he has no no trade clauses or no protection like that, but when asked directly, Bailey you know made it very clear. That he wants to finish his career with the New York Islanders.
1: Um, yeah, of course it's a possibility. It's uh, certainly not something I want. Um, you know, I, I want to play my whole career here, so I'm I'm hopeful that that's uh, that's what's going to happen, and now um, yeah, we'll see what happens. I guess.
0: Now, Lou Lamarillo, as as I mentioned, has shown great faith in this core, keeping them together time and time again through trade deadlines and, and, and in the offseason. Look, there's, there's at least a fair chance that what you saw at the end of this season is pretty much what you're going to see at the start of next season. I'm just telling you that that, that could be the case. Obviously, um, they're going to have to do something on their back end, so there'll be some new faces there. Um, there are always new faces here and there, but for the most part, it, it could be. And again, I'm using you know, uh, subjective words here. It could be, uh, the case next year. And uh, Brock Nelson, who uh, just seems to get better and better each season under uh, under Barry Trotz, touched uh, what do you get? Thirty seven goals this season. Um, you know, Brock Nelson certainly hopes that. You know uh, that is the case again this off season that the core is together and this group gets another chance at making a run at the stanley cup
2: yeah yeah they've they've mentioned that to us you know a number of times and i think it shows and just how how tight-knit tight-knit the players are uh with the coaching staff and lou uh, how involved he is in, in everything so um everybody believes in one another in here um you know we had two two good runs uh kept the group intact um you know same same group post trade deadline i know there's a lot of rumors and speculation about what you know what potentially might happen but we kept kept the same guys and you know we you saw we started to you know turn it a bit play some better hockey went on a little bit of a a good stretch with uh with a good record so um, hopefully this summer you know you, it's part of the business you never know what happens and that's Beyond our, you know, our control and up to up to Lou ultimately. But um, if it is the same group coming back, I think everybody in here believes that we can get back to where we were.
0: Now, going back uh, on the defense uh, again, as I kind of uh, go left and right and zig and zag here. Um, now, Oliver Wallstrom was picked one selection ahead of Noah Dobson. So uh, when you talk about the Islanders' defense going forward I think one of the big things you talk about is Noah Dobson's development as as a third year player 51 points uh quarterbacking the first power play unit um really uh, you know they were kind of you know he, he pairs with Zdeno Chara um he he shows that he is going to be a top pair defenseman. In the NHL, um, and and when you look at the uh, the Islanders' defense corps for next season, uh, you know he's he's a given. He's a given. Adam Pellick's a given. Ryan Pulak's a given. And then you got Scott Mayfield as well. Um, but Noah Thompson is really he he's come to the forefront as probably the the most important defenseman. Uh, that the Islanders have. Now, I I asked Oliver Wallstrom, because I always found it interesting, Wally was picked uh, 11th uh, in the draft, and then uh, Dobson came in uh, one pick after him. Um, So I asked uh, Oliver about whether seeing Noah Dobson's success this season gives him hope that he too can take this kind of leap. And, uh, And Oliver Wallstrom, as you hear uh, believes, uh, you know, yeah, says watching Noah Dobson, uh, was, was a good sign for
5: him. You know, the way he played this year, uh, was just unbelievable. He really took a big step this year and, you know, he, he really, he really deserves, um, you know, what he's getting soon and, uh, he's just, he's a great friend to me and we have a lot of fun. So yeah, it's, um, I'm super happy for him. You know, I got to 50 points and, uh, yeah, he was, he was happy. So it was awesome. Um proud of him. And, uh, yeah, for me, it's just, you know, can't compare myself to others. I just compare myself to what I can do and uh, go from there.
0: As I mentioned, uh, Noah finished with 13 goals, 38 assists, 51 points in 80 games. Those are all career highs, uh, has blossomed into a, a, a top power play guy, uh, a top pair guy. And, uh, Noah, who is, you know, from day one with the Islanders, uh, when he was up as an 18-year-old, has always struck me as an incredibly mature uh, um, kid. I mean, he was a kid when he came up, but he was an incredibly mature kid. Um, And obviously now growing into a man, um, still very young. um, But he understands his importance to this team.
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, as a guy, if you're on on the power play you got the importance. You got to be able to produce. Guys rely on you. If you get a power play late in the game, you got to be good in those situations. I think that's something that I've kind of come into this year. And whether it's uh, an offensive role or even defensively, you got to be reliable when it's tight games. You're you're on the ice slots. so it's definitely something I've you know, like taken on this year, and we'll continue to do well with.
0: Now, Noah Dobson is completing a three-year, $4.4 million deal. He's a restricted free agent this offseason. He does not have arbitration rights. It will be interesting to see how the Islanders proceed. My guess is they probably settle on another bridge deal here, maybe a two-year deal. But do the Islanders think long-term now? um, Or do they keep doing two- or three-year deals until Dobson approaches unrestricted free agency which so far has been the islanders uh um model with matthew barzell i i, I do think there's a compromise here where the islanders could do a, a five or six year deal at somewhat more of a reasonable price because i i feel like every season that noah plays his his price tag is going to go up and up and up and up and uh you know, I don't know whether Noah is at the point now where he's comfortable having a year or two of unrestricted free agency bought out. Um, I would tend to think not. Um, if I'm him or his agent, but, you know, maybe he wants that kind of long-term security. So I, I just think it's going to be very interesting how the Islanders uh, approach this off season with Noah Dobson. And uh, uh, Noah was was asked about the upcoming contract negotiations this offseason. And uh, uh, not surprisingly, you hear this a lot from players on breakup day, it's not something that Noah Dobson is focusing on right now.
1: To be completely honest with you, I mean, this year we've been playing so much hockey, I haven't really been thinking about that too much. But I think it's it's obviously something this summer that will be talked about. I think with my agent and Lou, I'm sure we'll sit down eventually. But as of right now, I mean, I haven't given much thought. I've just been focused on the games, and well, now just take some time to recover and, and get some
0: rest and go from there. Now, as we go into this off season, one thing that can't be overlooked is it will be a normal one for the Islanders. Not, not not only did they go deep into the playoffs the past two seasons, but because of the COVID-19 impact, the playoffs went much deeper into the summer than normal. The Islanders played into September in the bubble. Um, And then the next season started in January. That was shortened to 56 games. Um, but by the time the Islanders were eliminated again by the lightning in the NHL semifinals, it was already late June, which is later than when the Stanley cup is usually raised. And then they were back for training camp in September. So, you know, I, I know I feel it. I know Barry Trotz has talked about it. I know the players have talked about it. One season has just seemed to roll into the next season over and over and over again. and, it's not where the team wanted to be missing the playoffs, but um, it's the start of May here. So you're talking about May, June, July, and August. And usually in late August is when the guys start coming back for some of those captain and formal uh, skates. But you know, training camp's not going to start, you know uh, a couple of weeks into September. Uh, so you're you're looking at guys who are are really gonna have a a a normal off season uh, of 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 working out in their own routine on their own timeline, getting their bodies back, um, for the first time in in in, you know at least three years here, and uh, all the Islanders we talked to at uh, breakup day. Say you know are essentially healthy Cal Clutterbuck coming off that shoulder issue uh said you know his rehab uh rehab might push back a little bit when he starts skating. he fully expects to be ready for training camp um Scotty Mayfield says he's going into the off season a hundred percent after missing uh the end of the season with a lower body injury um uh yeah, Simeon Varlamov, you know, he's looking forward to the offseason uh, after being sidelined last offseason, missing training camp. Matt Martin was the same thing with the ankle. Uh, he missed the start of the season. He was really hindered through training camp. He couldn't get an off season workout in the way he wanted. Anders Lee coming off that ACL, same deal. Um, all of them are looking forward to, to having normal off-seasons. And as I said, Matt Martin said it will be the first time for him in three years to have a normal off-season routine.
5: Yeah, so right, like, last season I had the surgery and didn't uh, get to train and went right into, uh, missed most of the training camp and then hopped um, in what, missed the first few games mm-hmm. and played. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm excited to be able to... Uh, get a full off season of training. And it's been a long, really, three three years, probably mm-hmm. since we've had um, a chance to really you know, work on the things that you want to work on and, and kind of build yourself back up. So uh, I, I'm excited to uh, be able to, to do that and, um, you know, get healthy, get strong, and uh, come back next year and um, be good. Yeah,
0: Anders Lee, <laughs> as I mentioned, is also looking forward to concentrating on his whole body this off season, rather than just focusing uh, on his, uh, on his knee. Um, The captain said he found it quote unquote, reassuring how he was able to finish the season uh, with some productivity. Um, And and as he said, it, it, it took him a long time to start feeling like himself again but uh, again, Anders, certainly uh, looking forward to this offseason going into next season
2: yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to that <laughs> yeah. you know like it, uh, you know since the day you know since I tore my ACL it's been it's been every day and um, you know your body doesn't have a time to to rest and the a recovery in that magnitude is you know you put everything you can into it and it becomes a it kind of consumes you in a way and then then you roll right into a season so it, there's a lot of little things that work out wise that got maybe pushed to the side because my knee needed so much focus and um, that I, there's nothing you can you can do about that I, my goal was to be ready for day one and for, for day one of camp and all that stuff and so um, yeah I'm just looking to you know give give my knee also a rest too. Let it let it like fully just get back to you know peace because it's been it's been under a lot of stress for for you know a little bit over the years.
0: With that, I will continue our conversation. Uh, looking forward to next season by answering some of your questions in Andrew's Answers. It's time for your questions with Andrew's Answers, and we'll start with. Thomas Boyle, um, Thomas says, I have a very controversial question. Um, do you think Barzell could be traded this summer? Um, and listen, as you heard me say, Thomas, I, I wouldn't do it. And I I would try and build around this guy, but no, it, it wouldn't shock me, um, you know, because I, I again, I, I do think if the organization comes to a point where they don't see him as a, a seven, eight year uh, extension worthy guy, then yeah, I think they would, you know, look to see what they get for him rather than having him uh, walk out the door for nothing. That that being said, I, I... I don't think that's the way the Islanders are leaning with Matthew Barzell. But do you think Barzell could be traded? Uh, Yeah, I think there's that possibility. I I don't think that's necessarily what's going to happen. Um, Glenn says, if I recall from before the season, you were talking about how the deep playoff runs could catch up with the Islanders. Do you think that was more of a factor than the schedule COVID issues? And... um, as you heard me say before we got to these questions, uh the Islanders are looking forward to this normal off season, right? Um I, I I can't quantify whether that was more of a factor than the schedule or the COVID issues. Um I think it was a factor. Um but I I, I don't think it was the overriding factor. I think the biggest overriding factor if you, if you go back to the covid and the scheduling issues and Barry Trotz talked about this a lot towards the end of the season it was that the islanders just never got into a routine and you know uh, they're just even even before the games started getting rescheduled and postponed because of covid-19 you look at that 13 game road trip and and being on the on the road uh for for 13 games in a row wasn't necessarily the issue because they really broke that up into three separate road trips the longest they were on the road for was uh was for the 6 games to start but they never got into a rhythm there there was that game in Nashville it was on a Saturday afternoon and 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 the Islanders essentially had the week before that and the week after that off so they had a scheduled one game in ten days, I think it was, and that's just that's just fruit loops you know uh to to put a team through that in the n h l there's no way uh to get into any kind of rhythm um and then when the postponement started coming in uh in in december uh where you're playing you know two three, four games over you know three weeks or three and a half weeks, whatever it was. Um, again, you, you know, any sharpness or any edge to your game just dissipates. And, and you can't play that way. And then the, the flip side of that was once once the team uh, got into late February and certainly March, they played 17 games in March. Uh, and then in April, uh, they played 16 games in 29 days in April. and And again, you know, to use that term both of those that's fruit loops back to back too much rhythm uh <laughs> sounding very spinal tapish there you know uh just the schedule caught up to them at the end so uh look uh, the deep playoff runs were certainly a factor but it was more not getting a, a, a any kind of traction uh through the schedule of the season and covid did play a part with that but a lot of it was them just never establishing consistent play. And Matt, the Matt professional contrarian or not, says the most reasonable off season move, backslash the most outlandish, still within reason off season move. Now you know, just thinking about what the Islanders need. Um, I, I don't know what where where this goes is reasonable or not, but you know, for for defensemen. Uh, we mentioned Nick Letty. I, I would think that would be a reasonable move. Uh, Olimata, a lefty, is going to be out there. He made just over $4 million, uh this season. He's been a, uh, you know, a pretty decent defenseman in this league. The Stars Klingberg, a righty shooter... Uh, is going to be out there. Um, Now, you know, would they want to make a splash with him? Uh, He would certainly help the puck moving and uh, get a little more production out of the back end. Now, you know, more outlandish, you know, we've talked about trading Matt Barzell. I don't know how much more outlandish I can suggest than, you know, something like that. Um, you know, we talked about Josh Bailey and Anthony Beauvillier too, but if you're going to trade Barzell, um, could you get back a Mark Shifley from the uh, Winnipeg Jets? Uh, he has two more years left on an eight year, $49 million deal. That's a cap hit of 6125000 million. He's got a modified no trade clause with 10 teams on it. Um, Mark Shifley is a heck of a player. You know, would he fit into this group? And, and and maybe even more outlandish, if you can acquire him, be, uh, do, do you switch Matthew Barzell over to a wing and maybe approach it that way? And... Uh, looking at the Islanders salary cap for next season they got 13 forwards right now signed for 47.6 million in all figures uh courtesy and thanks to capfriendly.com so 13 forwards in at 47.6 million they got the three defensemen at 13.6 million with Noah Dobson do a raise he would be the fourth defenseman there you got two goalies signed up for nine point oh million, so that's eighteen skaters right now for seventy point two million. Salary cap is going to be eighty two point five million. You figure in there's going to be raises for Noah Dobson. You gotta you know get four others in there, but could you squeeze in uh you know a, a Shifley like contract? Uh, you you might just be able to honestly, um, depending on who you can move. And, uh, you know, I think we're going to talk about the goalies a little bit, but look, every inclination is that the Islanders want to keep Semyon Varlamov around for the final season of his four-year $20 million deal, but if you move that $5 million, there's a lot more flexibility there, Um uh, Brian G., and here's the Mark Shifley. Brian G. says, would the Islanders be in the market to acquire someone like Mark Shifley? They need to make some changes. Could the Islanders buy out anyone like Matt Martin, or is that a stretch? And look, they, they signed Cal Clutterbuck for two more years on an extension. So, you know, where goes Cal Clutterbuck? is the same place that Casey Sezekis and, uh, and, uh, um, and Matt Martin go the the, the the three of them are together, um, so I think you know you got two more years at least of those guys. Um, I don't think they're looking to buy out Matt Martin. Um, as far as buyouts, you know maybe maybe Josh Bailey is a is a buyout candidate. That that would kind of be a a, a rough one, but uh, you know if you're looking to shed salary, maybe you go that way. Um, let's see. Now to aisles for cups, um, sort of off topic. What happened to Garth Snow and Dougie Waite? They just seem completely off of any radar, uh, kind of unusual in the close knit NHL. Um, and then thoughts on most likely, likely AHL guys to make the jump, Arno uh, Arnaud Durando. um, as far as Garth Snow and Doug Waite, my my understanding is that Garth Snow may still be under contract to the team, and he's just being paid to not be here, basically. I think Dougie Waite's contract by now has certainly expired. And, look, I, I, I don't know that being a head coach was the most pleasant experience for Doug Waite, and maybe he's just happy with his money right now, Uh you know at most i could see Doug getting back in as an assistant coach but after being a head coach i don't even know if if that's something that he's interested in um uh, as as far as ahl guys to make the jump um durando would certainly add some speed i think he's going to get a look in in training camp but so is Aturati. so is simon holmstrom so is samuel Bulldock. so is robin sallow um you know there're probably a few more guys I know Barry Trotz keeps singing Otto Koivula's praises uh Otto being a restricted free agent with arbitration rights as well um as far as most likely I I'm going to say I'm going to start with uh with Robin Sallow is probably the most likely guy to make the jump um uh, P. Williams said, I had hoped we'd have seen the new locker room after the season. Any reason why they won't show it, uh, fans like to see the homeroom, uh, you know. And look, I'd like to be in the Islanders dressing room as well, and so would all my media brethren. Um, uh, the NHL or the Islanders, as you know, have uh, they, they've they gone away. Finally, we're in person in more of a press conference setting where you got either the coach or a couple of players sitting behind a table with a banner. At least we're in person for that. And they've gone away from the zoom, but you know, we all want to be back in the dressing rooms um, to start reestablishing relationships and to start having more one-on-one chats and even to just have more off-the-record chats, and I i don't mean off-the-record in which the players are giving up secrets, but just, you know, hey, how are the kids? You know, what's going on in your life? And just you know, just having more of an in, informal relationship with this guy, with these guys. But uh, the Islanders have not opened up their room. I, I don't know if any of the NHL teams have opened up their room. I, I don't mean to just single out the Islanders. And I think next season, you know, the, the the problem going into this season, not that anyone cares about media issues, the problem going into this season was, was that the NHL left it up to individual teams to set the media policy. And, uh, you know, as soon as that happens, we're not going to be in the Islanders room. And if, you know, one team's closing the room, then other teams aren't going to allow the media into rooms. So for me, the the best bet for getting back into the Islanders room would be having the NHL set the policy. And now it's, it's supposed to be a negotiated policy between the league and the Professional Hockey Writers Association. But again, as I said, even after the PHWA and the league worked something out for this season, the league then punted it and said, you know, it's it's really up to each individual team. Uh, the NHL needs to take the lead on this and set a media policy for all of its 32 teams. And, uh, you know, I'm not in the habit of promoting the competition, but uh, this caught my eye by, by my friend Larry Brooks of the New York Post, uh, who was uh, writing about, well, he covers the Rangers. He was talking about not necessarily having a grasp on the psyche of this Rangers team going into the playoffs, unlike other teams he's covered. And the difference being, you know, he's not in the room. None of us are in the room to, to kind of get a sense of where these players are at. So uh, Larry writes, and I'm quoting Larry here, "...those were the days before the NHL restricted media access to the locker room, a policy that was understandably instituted in the wake of the pandemic but remains in place for no logical reason other than to restrict access and control the message." If Major League Baseball can open clubhouses to vaccinated and boosted media, the NHL can open locker rooms. And, and I couldn't agree with with my friend Larry Brooks more there. Um, Carl M. says... Uh, Given we don't know his retirement status, there have been comments and broadcasts about Chara's value as a coach. Given that his family is in Boston, is there any chance he could return to Long Island in a coaching role, or do you get the sense he would only seek that role in Boston? I'll be honest with you. I I think Zdeno Chara would make a heck of a coach. Um, I have no idea, though, whether that is something he – wants to do or not. He has not talked about it. He talked very infrequently to the media uh, this season. Um, I do know his family is in Boston and I know uh, after the season all he said was that he wanted to get home to his family. My my guess is that, and, and look, if the family didn't move to Long Island this season, I'm not, and he's got very young kids, I, I think they're trying to make a home for the team in Boston, so I'm not sure that, you know, if Zdeno was offered a coaching role on Long Island, whether his family would move with him. And I don't, I I get the sense that, you know, that might hinder uh, his decision. But again, I'm not 100% sure we didn't get, and this goes back to the previous answer, we didn't really get a chance to establish that kind of relationship with Zdeno. But I do think he would make a heck of a coach. Um, Hopgravy says, "Will the Iron Maiden show at the beginning of next season, I believe that's on October 19th, uh, be the first metal show at UBS arena and starting off the season properly next year. And, um, I I guess you would classify it as the metal show. I, I, some of the other, you know, I I don't think Trans-Siberian Orchestra necessarily, you know, qualifies as a metal act. Um, although it has some of those elements in there, certainly sabotage. Uh, you you could see some of that in there. I mean, Tool, I, I believe played at the arena in February again. You know, some of the harder elements, not necessarily a, a metal band. So I, I guess you know technically yeah iron maiden might be considered the f- the first metal show and uh i'm looking forward to seeing the islanders schedule for next season to see if i can get into ubs uh to see this legacy of the beast tour uh, Nico McBrain, uh, being one of my, you know, I have a lot of favorite drummers, but I, I, I love the, the way, uh, he approaches drumming within the song. It's, it's very melodic and, and very complimentary. And I, I do enjoy listening to him. Um, that is a, uh, tangent there. Um, Sab says, most say that if Varlamov is traded, Lou Lamarillo would pursue a lower-cost backup. Meanwhile, Corey Schneider has shown he's healthy, and he got a big playoff win. And congrats to uh, uh, the Bridgeport Islanders for winning Game 1 of their uh, best-of-three first-round series, beating the uh, Providence Bruins uh, at Providence. And now they can close out that series on Wednesday night at Bridgeport. Um could Corey Schneider be a viable option to back up Ilya next season? And, you know, it's, it's, it's a really good question. And, you know, and, and again, I know Corey going back to me, covering him with the island and with, with the devils and, no one would be happier to see Corey make it back to the NHL on a full-time basis than I would. He's a fantastic person, really is, and and, and I I only wish good things for this guy. I'm not convinced that his body would 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 hold up. I, I'm just not. Um, I I think there are those questions. I think it would be very risky for the Islanders to uh, rely on Corey Schneider. Uh, as the backup uh I would love to see Corey prove me wrong on that. Um Kurt Green says um also a goalie question if we move Varlamov would resigning Thomas Grice as a backup be an option or is his time uh as a backup NHL goalie ended? And you know I, I was looking at his uh at his numbers this year and he went 10-15 and one 3.66 goals against and a .891 save percentage. And uh, I think everyone believes that Thomas Grice's time as a Detroit Red Wing is over uh, just off of those numbers. What, what was interesting to me is the numbers he had this year are very similar to the ones Greiser had, uh, the season before trot showed up and he was 13, eight and two with a 3.82 goals against and a point eight nine two say percentage in 2017, 18, before trot showed up with the Islanders and taught everyone how to play some defense. Um, of course, Greiser is 36 now. Um, so I I don't know if you could, uh, you know, f- expect that big big of a turnaround again, but the the Islanders could do a lot worse than bringing Thomas back, you know, on a one year deal, uh, again if they're moving on from Varlamov, which I'm not saying they are, um, you know, I would, if, if you're telling me the options are Thomas Grice and Corey Schneider, I I would. Probably be a little more comfortable with Thomas Grice. And, and again, I'm hoping Corey Schneider would prove me wrong. <laughs> um, let's see. The captain says, will the Islanders actually go after the big need of theirs in the top six goal scorer and the top four uh, left-handed defenseman?" Um, I believe yes. I, honestly, I believe yes. I, I believe they have to. The window on this group is closing fast. So it's, if it's obvious to you and me what's needed, it's obvious to Lou Lamarillo. And you'll, you'll want to maximize this group um, and give them a chance to win the cup. And if you're going to do that, yeah, you need a top-six goal scorer and you need a top-four lefty uh, on defense. Um, let's see. Will Forthman says, The send-off to Dano Char gave me... Chills. It felt like Andy Green got the short end of the stick. Uh, If it was his last game too, a great Islander. Odds either one of them continues their career maybe as a seventh defenseman for the Islanders, or do you think this is it? I I do think this is it. Uh, Of the two, I think Andy might be more amenable to more of that seventh D-man role. Uh, That being said, I don't know that uh, Lou is going to offer to him. I, I think Zdeno would want to be a, a top six defenseman. Um, but the odds, you know, I, I would say maybe 25% of uh, the odds, either one of them coming back as the seventh D-man next year. Um, Michael says, would love to hear your thoughts on buyout options, if any, who is the likeliest target for a second pair of D-Man? Uh, is there anyone the Islanders can target that will fit in with Barzell and the system? That kind of eliminates a Patrick Lanay, no? Uh, I would think, yeah. Um, but does it eliminate a Johnny Gaudreau type? And I, I think no. Uh, as I've said all along, I think the Predators figure out a deal with Philip Forsberg but I I think Johnny Goudreau might make it to market and boy, uh, how good would he look uh, with the Islanders? That would be really spectacular. Um, As far as buyout options, I mentioned, you know, I don't think they're going that way with the fourth liners, you know I don't think they go that way with Josh Bailey, but you know, potentially, I don't think there are a ton of them, honestly. Um, Others that The Islanders could target. I've always liked Vincent Trocek's game. Um, I've liked what I've seen with both Andrew Kopp and Frank Vetrano with the Rangers. Uh, And those are three guys that are going to be on the uh, free agent market, or at least we think they are. And then Ricard Raquel, who, uh, you know, some... Rumors linked the Islanders to him before he was traded uh, to the Penguins. So, uh, you know, maybe keep an eye on one of those guys. And again, you know, uh, uh, it it might take, you know, some versatility amongst the forwards as to who plays where. Uh, Dave DG says, have there been any extension talks with Trotz? (laughs) Yeah, like Lou's going to tell me that. Lou bit my head off when I tried to ask that question. Not that I know of, and not that we may ever hear of, honestly, if he signs an extension. Yoji says, what do you think the Islanders should do offensively for next season? Because it seems that the team keeps experimenting with lines. You know, it it really depends. I've mentioned some of the guys, I, I think the Islanders... Uh, could bring in. Um, but yeah, Matthew Barzell talked about that at breakup day two just how there was never really consistency with the wingers. And uh, I, I know that's something that Barry Trotz wants to figure out and fix for next season. Jack Anton says we can all agree that the Islanders' most pressing needs are a first line scoring winger and a second pair of left defenseman. Please give us your top three candidates for each position of need and who you ultimately see the Islanders acquiring. You know, I've gone over some candidates. It's always next to impossible to predict who Lou is going to bring in. If I'm pressed here, Lou is such a loyal guy, it wouldn't shock me to see Nick Letty coming back, honestly. I I don't, you know, necessarily know that that, that that would be the biggest upgrade I think maybe uh, you know Robin Sallow could could worm his way in there as well, um, as far as first line scoring winger. I honestly, you know, shoot for the stars here. Let's uh, you know I would make out an all out effort to get Johnny Gaudreau in, into uh, Islanders blue and orange. Um, and lastly, Thomas Box says... Why should we trust our award-winning GM to make the necessary changes this team will need? And, well, uh, I mean, whether you trust him or not, he's going to be the guy uh, to make the necessary changes. You didn't vote on the award, but Lou Lamarillo was the NHL GM of the year back-to-back his first two years with the team. And if you look at where the franchise is compared to where it was... You know, I know there's the disappointment of this season. I know there's disappointment losing in the to the lightning two years in a row, and I know there's frustration when he stands pat at the trade deadline uh this season uh to me, that is not reasons not to trust Lou Lamarillo because you know he he got a team to a certain point and i i I think he's shown uh over the course of his career that he can, you know, get it past that hump. I mean it it doesn't always happen. It doesn't always happen for any GM. But uh, you know, I I I think kind of not, you know, respecting what Lou Lamarello has done in this game. Is a little short-sighted. I I don't think the game has passed him by. I I really don't. And you know, it's a it's a big off season for him. Quite likely the biggest uh, uh, since he's taken over the franchise. Because if he doesn't connect this off season, there really could be a a tumble down the hill coming up, and then all those uh, questions about Lou Lamarillo will you know. Uh, they will be uh yeah, they'll be first of all, there'll be a lot more of them, but uh you know maybe they'll be more justified right now i I would say Lou has the pedigree and the resume that uh you know that's why you trust this guy um and that is it in the queue. I thank everyone for listening, not just uh for this episode, but through the season. And uh, it's certainly not the end. Uh, it's uh, going to be a big off season, and uh, looking forward to covering that. And uh, you know, I hope everyone stays well. Um, I'm Andrew Gross. You can find me on Twitter at agrossnewsday, and please go to newsday.com backslash isles uh, for all of Newsdays Islanders content. And until the next time we talk, happy hockey, everybody.